Hey everybody, welcome back to 321 Discuss. I'm your host Nick. And I'm Tanner. And we got a guest host today because Julian is feeling a little sick. He's going to get back as soon as he can. Today we have my brother Andrew. What's up? So, Tanner, take it away. Alright, so today we have Death Note, one of the most popular animes right now. It's popular in the anime community and it's popular outside of the anime community with normal watchers. So, Nick, what do you think makes Death Note stick out like this and kind of be like its own genre of anime in itself? So, one of the biggest aspects of Death Note, you have to take it back to its original release, is it is a shonen jump manga, which are known primarily for battle manga, like Naruto's shonen jump, My Hero Academia's shonen jump, Dragon Ball's shonen jump. Those are all battle anime, but then you get this psychological thriller. So that already makes it stand out. And then you also add on top of it the incredible writing. It's so dense and well-written and perfectly paced, at least for the L arc. I'll get back to that. And just the themes and all the symbolism in it, the way it drives its characters and all the darkness around it, it just stands out among all these goofier shows. And it puts a spotlight on it, so of course people are already paying attention. I really agree for what Shonen Jump is primarily used to releasing, it really is its own category inside a legendary group of anime. Like, to go on top of what you said, you got One Piece, you got Bleach in there, too. All from Shonen Jump. So, I think where we should really get into the story is where Light writes down his first couple names to test it out. What do you think about all that? So I think that was the only, that was the last time we really saw Light Yagami in a long time after that. I think by then he's pretty much already consumed by the Death Note. Because we see when he has a flashback later on, when he's talking to Ryuk in the same episode, he starts freaking out immediately after killing them. But it doesn't take long before he starts thinking, wait, what if I'm wrong? What if I keep doing this and eliminate all the bad people? It took one day for the Death Note to corrupt him. I think that speaks volumes about the Death Note's power. Because the, the thing about Light is Light is not special in any way. And we see evidence of this throughout the show. Like, early on, with very little information, L is able to perfectly profile Light. Like, he knows just based off of that he's a student and that he's killing criminals that he has him pretty much profiled as childish, hates to lose, and thinks of himself as a god. That's light to a T. Especially when he writes down Taylor's name, just for the pure fact of calling him evil. He's showing he's not going to stand that type of thinking around his name, that he is being a sense of justice. And you see it mess with his psychological essence almost in the fact that he does little stuff like laughs at the notion of being caught. And, like, he's just at a point where he thinks he's untouchable. What do you think about that, Nick? Well, that's all proof that making a better world was never what this was about for him. Maybe it was for, like, a good five minutes. But then his ego stepped in, and every action after that is clearly putting his, himself and his own ego above everything else. If this was really about changing the world, what would killing Linda L. Taylor do for him? What would killing any police officers do for him? If this was really about changing the world, he wouldn't need to do any of that. 
He's doing it because he doesn't want to get caught because he wants the glory for himself. He's very, very consistent about calling himself the god of the new world. He insists that that is what he is and what he will be. He never, ever talks about what the better world will be. It's always up to his judgment of who is good and who is evil. It's about what he wants. He doesn't care about anything else. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I see where you're going with that. So you see this overly vigorous guy thinking he's changing the world right now. Nobody can catch him. I mean, his father is on the police department. Like, everybody is looking for this guy. Then in comes L. He thinks he get he has them all figured out, and then he reveals himself wide in the open. Exactly the opposite of what he thinks he's gonna do. What does that do to his psyche at that point when he's already thought that nobody could catch him? So are you talking about the reveal of that Lindell Taylor wasn't L, or when he shows up at the college? When he shows up at the college. So we already see the light immediately starts panning. Because he never ever considered L would willingly reveal himself. That's what I'm talking about. So what does that do to his sense of security when he's like, nobody can ever touch who I am. Nobody can figure it out. He didn't think the guy was out. He killed him. He did his thing. Now L's sitting right in front of him. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's like, why are you here out of all places? What does that do to the sense of like, okay, nobody can catch me. Do you think that's the point where he, he kind of cracks a little bit. Well, we see exactly that. When he goes to his room, he immediately basically just starts throwing a tantrum. He starts freaking out that L would dare do something that Light didn't predict. You see that in what he's saying. It's not even really about him getting caught. It's because L beat him. That's what mattered to him. It's all about his ego, and that pushed him into a corner where he suddenly felt he wasn't superior anymore. But then... Ego took back hold and he decided that he could just roll with it and keep going because, of course, he's the god. He's got it under control. That almost reaffirmed his god complex to himself, the fact that he was able to figure out a situation. He always uses his victories to reaffirm that he must be this chosen savior and a god, even in situations where it's clearly coincidence. You look at the Naomi Misra arc where she shows up, and he decides that him running into her was, like, destined. That God must be on his side. I am the chosen savior. When it's, it was clearly coincidence. He just happened to be there at that time, and it worked out in his favor. So, El is practically the perfect counter mm-hmm. to Kira. He's the exact opposite. He prefers to sit back, watch what's happening, figure out what's going on. He doesn't want to be the one steering the ship. He wants to be the security guy. That's practically what he is. He watches videos. He doesn't go out too much. He wants to work in the shadows. He wants to be behind the scenes. And I like what you said about how L is the perfect counter to Kira. And it's not really that. It's that he's the perfect counter to Light. Because when you really look at them, they're basically the same. They're both, and L even says that early on, they're both childish and they hate to lose. We see this a lot more prevalently in Light because he is prone to emotional outbursts, whereas L is not. We mainly see that childishness and hating to lose when after they clear L, when after they clear Light and Misa of being Kira after they lose their memories, L just becomes depressed. And he reveals his depression is because he thinks he was wrong about Light. 
That's the only reason he was depressed. It's clear that L views this as a game just as much as Light does. Yeah. I mean, L only asked Light to join the investigation because he wanted to get closer to him so that he could prove that he was Kira. Mm -hmm. He didn't need his help. L is very sufficient in that department by himself. So you have one guy thinking, oh, he suspects me a little bit, but he needs my help. The other guy doesn't really need his help. So they're fighting for opposite goals. Mm -hmm. So in walks Misa. How did she change the game immediately? So real quick, I saw Andrew had something you wanted to say. Uh, in the show or the manga, does it ever reveal, like, Elle's uh, backstory? Like, how he got into working with the Special Forces? Because he's supposed to be this, like, genius character who's also extremely young. So does it ever explain any of that? Or is it just kind of like, oh, he was born that? Uh, great question. Uh, he is a natural-born genius. But he was raised in an orphanage called Whammy's House that was founded by Watari that trains the world's greatest detectives. And out of all of them, he was the best. So he was able to use Watari and his connections to become who he is. And so, uh, anyway, as uh, you were asking, Cameron, about uh, Misa and her dynamic of the show. Okay, so Misa really changes the dynamic in the show because you see Light decline this offer for these eyes. Now you have somebody who worships the ground that he walks on with the eyes. Another death. Like, she's good. Like, this is the perfect addition to his team. If they would have made her not obsessed with him, do you think he could have got away with the same level of stuff that he did? Let's say she wasn't against him. But she was kind of there, always around, just killing random people off, kind of messing with things. Do you think he could have still covered himself for that long? I mean, it was, what, six years that he was Kira? Yeah, six years. So, do you I, think that she saved him a lot of that time? If you ask, I think there's a lot of different answers that uh, to that question. I think that's kind of interpretable on people's what people think Light's abilities are. If you ask me... I think we don't give Misa enough credit. I don't think Light would have been able to make it nearly as far as he did without her. And Misa, just as a character, breaks my heart because of all the shit she has to put up with, with Light. It, she, she's one of the most tragic characters. So remind me, how did she get her death note again? So there was a Shinigami named Jealous who had fallen in love with her and was uh, just kind of watching her. He was kind of a stalker. And on the day she was supposed to die, uh, he intervened and killed the man who was going to murder her. So because he did that, he died, and the Shinigami Rem then gave his death note to her because of how much he loved her. Okay, and she immediately takes the offer to, you know, half my life, fuck it, like, take it. Yeah, once she, once she became obsessed with Kira is when she wanted to do that, because she wanted to meet Kira so bad. And her devotion alone made her dangerous, even without the Shinigami eyes. Like, we saw how well she handled herself when she was pro uh, airing those messages for, through Sakura TV. She was wiping the... She had them in a panic. They thought it was the real Kira. So, one thing I do want to mention is all the live action they've done of this. Like, they have... Oh, Lord, the fucking live action movies. And everything. Do you think that... The live action movies. I don't know if that's what they 
just <laughs> have contributed to the success in, in the anime part. So they check out the movie. People like it. I've heard that a lot of people do like it. And do you think that makes them go, okay, this was based off of this, so why don't I give this a try? And that's why they, even people who don't really watch a lot of anime watch this show. Well, that's going to be inevitable whenever you make adaptations into a new market. That's the main point of doing it. Uh, that branches it out to people who don't watch anime, they'll watch a live-action movie, they'll check out the anime. It's exactly as you said. That's the main marketing reason for doing those. Personally, I think the live-action movies are very silly. I really don't like the Netflix one. I can go more into that later. The Japanese ones were... Uh, I didn't like their plot changes, but I did like that they kept the focus on L. Those are my main points about the live-action ones. Uh, I was just going to say that... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Netflix adaptation come out quite a while after the actual anime? That's oh, the- yeah, more than a decade. Okay. Yeah, so 2017 is when the live-action came out. And that's when at least a lot of the people that I was hanging around found out what Death Note was. So do you think it's as popular as it is because they re-released that live action that sparked interest into it? Well, so yes and no. I think that definitely introduced Death Note to a bigger American audience. That definitely is going to that push Death Note a bit more into the mainstream. But in the anime community, Death Note has always been huge. Death Note, for a very long time, I think it recently got dethroned, was the most popular anime in the world. For years, it is a huge series in the anime community. Yes. Uh, when it comes to the, at least just the Netflix adaptation, since it came out so long afterwards and it was already super popular, sure, it just adds more fuel to the flame, but the fact that it just came out so long after and already had such a cult following, it doesn't really add that much popularity to it. I can't really speak for the Japanese uh, live-action shows. I don't know when they came out, but that's just my concern. So the, the live-action Japanese movies came out fairly soon after the anime came out, and it's a lot more faithful to the manga. Yeah, but like, I 2006, they did a musical in 2015. Oh my god, the they musical did a fucking TV wild. They did an audio yeah. book in 2018. Yeah, Death Note is a, alive and well in okay. Japan. Like in Japan, like big series, like don't even let, ever really end. Let me re- rework that question a little bit. I know it was always popular, but do you think it took it from like a popular anime show to like a Naruto level popular show, a One Piece popular level show, where it's even popular outside of the community, like? It solidified its S tier ranking that this is one of the greatest animes ever released. Do you think that it is now that high now that all that extra bonus watching and following? And I mean, you have people making memes about this stuff now. It's become a legendary show. So do you think that puts it on the same pedestals that we can see when we talk about animes like Naruto, One Piece, Bleach? Yeah, I'd say that. And before you keep embarrassing yourselves, anime is singular and plural, so animes is in a word. That's how I like to say it. (laughs) Well, I will warn you, we're putting this on the internet, so people are going to make fun of you that a lot. Okay. All right, whatever. So, yeah, Death Note is definitely up there with those shows. It's definitely as legendary and as popular. 
Which I think is an achievement for what it is because of how different it is from those shows. That's what I'm saying. You see, like, Bleach, One Piece, Naruto, they're all about these super fighting ones. You got Attack on Titan that's up there about the same thing. This is such a different type of high-tier anime. So I was wondering if, you know, you take it from that A-tier, which is, like, the best anime that legendary tier just because of how popular all the extra boost it's giving it in the world so it's not just an occult anime following yeah you have I, yeah i think who, I get it, yeah. you have people who really really like even the live action movie now yeah they might not have seen the anime but now they're following the death note franchise yeah that definitely spawned it into being up there with yeah with dragon ball and one piece that it's just I think it's definitely become a symbol of anime. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So, it is epic. So, I know you had a couple points that you really wanted to talk about. So, mm-hmm. what did you have for us today? Well, so I addressed some of them uh, a bit. Yeah, a lot of what I had to talk about is about Light Yagami. Because I have a bit of a story about my relationship with Death Note. So, Death Note was actually the first anime I've ever seen. I had never watched anime before I watched Death Note. And after one episode, I was immediately hooked. Because there's just something about it you can't tear your eyes away. It's just so immediately addicting. Yeah, after that, it was over for me. But when I was a kid, well, when I was like 14, I was uh, like middle school, I was unironically on Light's side throughout the entire anime. I thought Light was completely right and that everybody was stupid for questioning him. And watching it this time, I felt so cringy about that because now I have such different views about Light as a character and what he's doing. Okay, so what was your original view? My original view was Kira is justice and what he's doing is right. Uh, It's going to make a better world and everybody should just get out of his way. Okay, and what's your view now? My view is that Light was someone who's corrupted by power. Light is someone... who allowed his ego to take control of him and ultimately became a monster. I think that's really what Death Note is all about, though. Mm -hmm. Is, you know, you see this model student, very likable, very good at what he does, very smart, bright future, is going to do a lot of good in the world. He's like, the world has terrible people in it, but what can you do about it? I'm a good guy. Then he finds the Death Note, and like you said, it took 24 hours for it to corrupt him. So do you think it's saying that power does not take too long to corrupt you if you let it? That is the main theme. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. I think that's the main point of Death Note and why I mentioned earlier that light is not special. I think it's almost like an inversion of the main point of Spider-Man. Like you know how the main point of Spider-Man is anybody, like it was just a freak accident to Peter Parker. Anybody could have become Spider-Man and become that hero. It's that same thing for Light. Anybody could have picked up the Death Note and become exactly like him. Sure, maybe they not may not have gotten as far, but that's not the point. The point is you could become exactly like Light if you allow yourself to be corrupted by power. And then it also does still add those broader questions about what is justice. Because I do think that Light is clearly the bad guy. This is about his ego. It was never about making a better world. I would find him more sympathetic if he was genuine. But he's not. This is about himself and nobody else. The world that he would run would be one of fear and it would collapse in on itself. 
I mean, that's inevitable in the end. It says multiple times through loading screens and stuff, humans don't live, will not live forever. You know, when humans die, it's just nothingness. It gives this, you know, when it's over, it's just over. Like, there's no second chance. There's no, I'll try again when I wake up on the other side. There's no, let me make amends on the other side. There's, it's over. What, whatever you leave in this world when you're done is what's there. And I know we were talking about it a little bit earlier. You see that a lot when, I think we were talking about the manga. And you were like, he's begging Ryu for it. And he's like, I told you from the beginning. I'm going to write your name in my book. And I'm not going to wait for you. So, a quick note about what you were saying earlier is, uh, something about what you were saying is about what we leave behind in this world. And I remember I heard a quote, I don't remember exactly who it was by, but they said that you can, you can kind of figure out somebody's intentions based off of the consequence of their action. But not always, but if you look at large scale things, uh, the example he used was Hitler. And that Hitler was a crazy psychopath, and the proof is that what he left behind is chaos. He didn't care about Third Reich. He cared about making as much chaos and hurting people as possible. The evidence is what he left behind. We can kind of see that with Light Yagami. What did he leave behind when he died? Did he leave behind a better world? No. He left behind a world that had a lower crime rate because people were terrified of him. He left behind a world that was ruled by fear. Okay, so now Light Yagami is gone and dead. They never released his name to the public. We've seen that. Do you think they never released it so that people would stay fearful? Why wouldn't they take that fear out of the world? So I think the main reason is that Hira by then had become a religion. If they reveal that Hira is dead, who knows what's going to happen. And plus, people probably won't even believe it. And the people that do are going to panic and freak out. Because to them, their god, their messiah is dead, so now it's doomsday. Plus... If people think that Kira's dead, what's to stop all the criminals that have been terrified of him be, of just starting to riot immediately? Exactly, but you don't see... They'll never see it again. I mean, the FBI or whatever has the notebook, or who, whichever branch took it, has the notebook. So they're not going to see deaths for super long. So the crime rate's bound to rise again. Do you think that... In the foreseeable future, we're just talking theoretically here in the future of death. So uh, there are actually answers to that because there have been a couple one-shots that the authors of Death Note have released years later from them. Uh, We saw one where another Death Note came and someone used it to specifically kill old people who were suffering. And basically all that happens is Nier says it's not worth his time and then the guy uses the Death Note to kill himself. But then, uh, not actually, like maybe like two or three years ago, they released another longer one. It was like a full chapter where Ryuk himself specifically chooses someone else to get the death note because he gets bored again. And that kid decides to almost go a passive route, and instead of using it to kill anybody, he uses the memory manipulation effect to then have Ryuk do a public auction where uh, he says, I will sell the power of Kira to you. He has Ryuk hold it up in front of a TV station so people can... Like, it's floating there. They know it's legit. And so he gets people all over the world to bid for the power of the Death Note. And the way he doesn't get caught is he then has them transfer the funds equally 
to every single person in the bank that he has. And it, we're talking billions of dollars. The people who won was the United States as a country. They were, they were bidding billions of dollars. So he's still set for life. And then the way it ends is the Shinigami King finds out that Ryuk allowed someone to do this and adds a new rule to the death note. That if someone tries to sell the power, the person who receives the death note will die upon receiving it, and the person who sold it will die upon receiving compensation. So that makes an interesting point. I just thought about this. So what if it's like a double-cross situation? Like they shoot him in the shoulder or whatever. He goes down. They take the money and the death note and hightail it out of there will only then die that would i think that would count as stealing it and there is actually a rule for if the death note is stolen i actually used to have a death note so i'm fairly familiar with the rules um so why don't you give us a lowdown on the rules so there's a lot of rules there's there's hundreds of rules to the death note like when you buy a death note a big chunk of it is just the rules so i've only seen bits and pieces of the anime but it only shows like maybe thirty of them, if I'm remembering right. But there's you're saying that there's hundreds of rules. I remember there being over a hundred rules. There's a lot of very specific rules. I don't have my death note anymore. Unfortunately, I lost it at some point. Otherwise, so, I would be remembering. Which them. ones like stood out to you to be like interesting or like weirdly specific? So there's a lot of specific rules about changing circumstances of death. Like, uh, you specifically have to cross out what you don't want to happen with two straight lines and then write another one. But it will only affect it if you do it within six minutes and 40 seconds of their projected death. And you can only do that a couple of times, otherwise it won't work. But yeah, it, it gets very specific about what you can do. Okay, what about, give us one that's not in the anime. Uh, that's one that's specifically not in the anime. It, does, it doesn't uh, dive deep into... Uh, it does about say, a lot of those like specifics. you have like amount of time to mm-hmm. do it after you write it in there. So like, what's a weirdly specific one that was not in the anime? Uh, let me think. The, uh, a lot of the rules of the Death Note uh, dictate Shinigami law. So there's a lot of punishments for Shinigami who break rules. Uh, I don't remember them specifically because I lost my Death Note a while ago. But yeah, a lot of the later ones just specifically talk about uh, what Shinigami are specifically allowed to do with Death Notes. Like, uh, Death Notes can only be used to take the lives of humans. They cannot be used to take the lives of Shinigami. Shinigami may only use them to extend their own lives. They can't do it for any other purpose. Uh, there's other things about... Yeah, like, uh, like the falling in love rule and everything. Uh, there's also a rule that a Shinigami cannot kill a human uh, with anything other than a Death Note. That one is interesting. That's something I was trying to get. So that makes it... When they lose their death note, that's a big deal. Yeah, that is a very big deal. Because now they can't extend their life. We see Shinigami that lost their death note in the anime. Because Ryu stole his death note and then pawned it off as his own. And that was the death note he gave to Light. Shinigami usually only have one death note at a time, and you have to get a second one if you're going to loan it to a human. Yeah. That's another rule in the Death Note, is that a Death Note is supposed to be your Death Note and no one else should write it. Ooh. Uh, off the top of your head, what would you say is probably the weirdest rule, or maybe like the dumbest rule that you've seen? In the uh, I know one of the weird ones, it says that Shinigami all have their own individual languages, that, that but all of them can read it. 
Like, every Shinigami can read everyone else's languages, but they all have their own personal language just for them. So, would they be able to, like, talk to... I mean, they obviously talk to each other in the, yeah. uh, the anime, but... Like, they can just that... say whatever they want because they'll always understand each other. So, it's like some dude is talking in French, talking to a guy in German, but somehow they can just understand exactly what they're saying. Well, we see that in America a lot, too. Like, you'll see... Uh, older people who are Hispanic speaking Spanish, and then their children will respond to them in English. Yeah, he's right on that one. Oh, true, but that's because they know both languages. Like, they still do it like that. Or do you think it means that they all write in their own language? I'm not entirely sure what that rule means or why it's there. It's just, I think it's just a cool detail about the Shinigami. One thing I really wanted to touch on as well is... Near and mellow because they're elves mm. apprentices. So how big of a deal is it that they could catch him when L couldn't? So it's something that Near mentioned uh in the last episode that they could only do it together. Because when you look at Near and Mellow, they both represent two halves of L. Near represents the part of L that's very analytical and is able and is the one that gathers the evidence. And Mello is the irrational part of Al that, that hates to lose. He gets depressed when he's wrong. So it's only together that they can form basically becoming Al again. And I feel like it's a big missed opportunity that they don't focus on Mello all that much throughout that arc because he is far more interesting than Nier is. Yeah, but I feel like Nier is a more close match to Al's personality as a whole. Yeah, on the surface, but a lot of, like I said, a lot of his childishness is subtextual. He doesn't show it a lot. Whereas Mello wears his heart on his sleeve. That's because he represents that side. That's why Nier is a more obvious choice for uh, the position of L. And that's why he's the only one that knows that he has to work with Mello. From the last episode, he was mentioning that only together they could bring down uh, Light or Kira. But didn't Kira or Light kill... Uh, Mellow? Yeah, he did kill Mellow, but by the time he killed Mellow, the damage was already done. Mellow sacrificed himself to get that final move in to get Meek Me to reveal himself and reveal the Death Note and finally beat Light. It was near sacrifice that made that, uh, sorry, Mellow's sacrifice that made that possible. Otherwise, Light would have killed Nier and won. I mean, there's so many little things in this show that, okay, if you tweak this, if, if he just trusted um, Light, enough to take care of it by himself like he told him he could this whole thing would have been avoided and he still would have died from the death note they revealed that both of them wrote it down so basically he's the only reason that he got caught well the thing about Meek Me is that that light didn't take into account that was his fatal mistake it was the same thing he did with Naomi Mistra he overlooked a detail because he got cocky he overlooked that Mikami thinks a lot like him. He never expected Mello to still be a player. He expect he just like, oh, I already beat Mello. I don't have to worry about it. He didn't take what Nier was saying into account. So he didn't think about the fact that Mikami would do the same thing that he would do. That Mikami would realize they're backed into a corner. And what does Light do when he's backed into a corner? He panics. So Mikami's going to panic. Yeah. I mean, he works at the ground he walked on. It's because Light would never acknowledge his own weaknesses because of his own ego. That was his downfall. This was a really, really short running show as well. I mean, it starting date was June 17th, 2006. 
The end date was October 29th, 2016. Oh, wait, sorry. Sorry, I fucked that up. What? <laughs> October 3rd, 2006 to June 26th, 2007. So one, um, Fun fact about that, actually. Death Note is the first ever anime to have an English release while it was still airing in Japan. That's crazy. So this is a one-year-round anime that's managed to stay relevant forever. So like we were talking earlier, obviously it's in that S-tier anime. Everybody should watch it if you're trying to animate and can't figure out a show to start with, Death Note could be a viable option for you. Oh, yeah. A lot of people consider it what's called a gateway anime. I mean, the first anime you watch, you get it into other anime. That's what it was for me. You're seeing a lot of, kind of off-topic, but you're seeing really seeing a lot of animes being gateway animes now. I mean, you got My Hero, you got Black Clover, you got Naruto, Dragon Ball, One Piece, Bleach... People call um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure a gateway anime. People call Death Note a gateway. So it's really expanding the scene rapidly. Mm -hmm. And we're getting a lot of very, very top tier anime getting released right now. And I just think that's awesome for what it's about to do for the anime community as a whole. I mean, I'm scrolling through Instagram seeing people designing anime clothes and stuff, selling them online. Yeah, and they're sick. Animation becoming very big. I mean, it's crazy. I've seen freaking contacts that give you like Renegon and um, Sharingan and stuff from Naruto. It's awesome what's been coming out lately, just within the community in itself. Yeah, it's amazing what the anime community is today, especially considering where it started in the 90s. It's just people on the chat boards having to translate it themselves because it was never released in English. So now there's companies dedicated to bringing anime to the West. Like, how incredible is it that today, like, as of the day we're recording this, we're going to go see the Micro Academia movie tomorrow. That would have never been possible, like, 20 years ago. That's something I really think we should probably touch on a little bit today if you guys want to transition out of Death Note yeah. or if you have any uh, we'll, uh, we'll come back to Death Note a little bit uh, in a bit like I, I'll have a couple more things to say about it but you know what yeah let's let's talk a little bit about my, my hero it come, by the time this episode release it'll be out yeah so the exact movie title is called uh, World Heroes Mission World Heroes Mission so we hear I'm the, hearing good reviews. Yeah, so I'm hearing really good reviews. Let me pull up this guy's account because I, I love know how Andrew immediately like jumped up. He's like, "All right, a discussion I can be a part of." Yes. Yeah, I've actually seen it. Oh my hero! I uh, one of the questions I have real quick is: Does the movie have anything to do with what has recently occurred in the anime? Uh, kind of. Yeah, it's not like. Uh, Heroes Rising, where it took place like far in the future of what we'd see in the anime, it's more current. And from what I've heard, it's not even canon. I'm not sure if it's canon or not. Huh. So, like, thinking about the continuity might not really be relevant to this movie. Okay. Because I know that Endeavor is a big part of it, so... So it's just kind of like a one-shot? Yeah, I think that's what it is. I'm not sure. From what I'm aware of, like, all the movies have been kind of debatably canon, I'm not entirely sure about the canon of the movies. I mean, I would have to agree that 
at least the first one, what was it, Two Heroes? Yeah, Two Heroes and Heroes Rising of Wolverine. Yeah, for two heroes, the the doctor who uh, was trying to help the villains take over the island, I Island, isn't that what it's called? Yeah, I Island. His daughter gave Deku Midoriya, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Uh, that gauntlet that oh, was yeah, able that to withstand was... like three full punch blows. So why not just go back to her after the events, have her make fashion two more so for him? That's, that's the reason I don't think that movie's canon, is because when you think about it like that, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think the the continuity of it is really something worth thinking about. I also think it could be just part of the agreement with the school, because he's not supposed... They have their own departments. They have to go by certain codes and everything, so he would have to get it cleared through the board and everything before he'd even be able to use it. Just okay. like any... Because that's a big altercation to his uniform, and those have to be cleared before he's allowed to use it. But also, you gotta take into account that um, where we're at in the show is, like, almost a year later, so that would have gotten through by then. Yeah. So he would have those by then, so I, I just don't think that the continuity of the movies really matters. Plus, I don't think it's really fit for the arc that he's on now because he has black whip so he needs his hands for black whip and he's using his feet for um, for one for all yeah for one for all i was about to say it does make sense for his arc since he's destroyed his arms and he's now has the black iron soles for shoes so then he can actually take the impact but what would also be interesting is that if he did get two extra gauntlets faction maybe they can only handle three 100 blows kind of like the original ones that would kind of be awesome because that negates his now weakness if he's only using 20% most of the time. So plus now he has his hero license compared to back then when he didn't. So we know it's about to be a world hero mission. It's, it's about to hit the fan, everything like that. So we're going to see last minute changes to costumes. We've seen it throughout the show um, and everything. So I think it's a very big possibility that we're going to see a whole new outfit when we go see the anime tomorrow or when this is released, we'll probably actually be attending it when mm -hmm. most people are getting to view it. Yeah, I'm really excited for that movie. Uh, that's my main point about the movies. I don't think the canonness of it matters, but uh, I think we should uh, wrap up Death Note uh, real quick so that we can get on to uh, our new segment of the show. My last thoughts about Death Note is, yeah, I think the main theme is about how absolute power corrupts absolutely. Light is someone who we see multiple times who was a good person. You see that he, when he loses his memories of the Death Note, he's a pretty cool guy. Like he, he would never imagine doing half the shit that he doesn't even know he's capable. He's actually capable of doing. He thinks that's all morally reprehensible, but then the Death Note corrupted him. And the last point I want to bring up is the difference in ending. I think the difference in ending symbolizes something. Because what we see in the manga is Light pathetically begging Ryu for his life. And then dying exactly the same way that he had made so many other people dying. And he goes out, like a, frankly, like a bitch. And I think in that ending, Light is meant to be seen as the mastermind who deserves no sympathy. Personal accountability is something that I think is very important. And I think it's something that people don't bring up a lot. In the anime... It ends with him running away and reflecting on the person that he was and the choices he made and dying peacefully after seeing the ghost of L. I think in that ending, it's symbolizing that he is another victim of the Death Note and that we all could have been victims of the Death Note, which I think is true, but that Light is ultimately just another victim in all this.
this. I disagree with that. I agree more with the manga then. Ultimately, Light does say early on that there's something about the Death Note that makes you want to try it at least once. So there clearly is some hypnotic effect to it. We see that when, at first, Light puts it down because he's like, that's fucking stupid. It's and also, then he goes back and picks it up. Yeah, but also in that fact, it's like, if somebody put you in front of a big-ass red button and was like, don't press it, and then walked away, your ass is going to now be internally focused on that. You opened it up and it's like, yo, this book kills people. And you're like, there's no fucking way. Exactly. And then, so I think we see that hypnotic effect because he goes back and still does try it. But everything after that, no one put a gun to his head and said, keep writing names. Everything after that was his own decision. And I don't think he deserves any sympathy because even in the end, he didn't feel sorry for a damn thing he did. He didn't feel sorry about leading his father to his death. He didn't feel sorry about all the innocent people he killed. He didn't feel sorry about the families he hurt. He didn't feel sorry about the way he treated people. In the end, it was about him, and I don't think he deserves sympathy. Okay, so let's wrap Death Note up right there. I think we've said enough about it. I had other things, but you know what? If anyone ever wants to ask me about Death Note, just like send me a direct message on Twitter. I'm at Charismatic Liar. If you ever have questions about shit I didn't talk about, I'm more than happy to answer questions. Okay, so we're going to try out a new segment where we're both going to come with a show that we're going to suggest to everybody for the... That's kind of like a mirror of the popular anime that we're discussing for that day. So it's just like something similar to the anime we're talking about. Exactly. If you like this show, here's something else you might like. But we're going to be suggesting less popular shows, or we're going to be trying to, but keep them as related as possible. So the one that I'm going to suggest is called Erased. I just finished it. It's about a guy, he saves this kid's life and gets thrown into a time warp. So he time warps back to when he's in school, and his goal is to stop the murder of his classmates. So it's about a show about this kid figuring out where to go and the difference in making a hard decision and an easy one and the length this kid went through, and then he gets warped back into current day where the killer's now framing him. So it's almost a race against time. And I don't want to give away too much because I know a lot of people haven't seen it yet, but what I will say is probably the closest thing to Death Note I've seen so far. And it is a really, really good anime. I just think it's almost to where Light was the bad guy and it shows like the corruption. This one is like the complete opposite, but still obtaining that awe factor that Death Note gives you with the detective finding out. So it's still like a thrilling mystery. Exactly. Like, what do I do now? How do I prevent this? How do I stop it? Because I don't know how else to describe it. But it Don't re- tell me anything else because I really want to watch this show. <laughs> Dude, it really is. Almost like you can make a difference in the world if you try it. Mm-hmm. It's how much are you willing to put into it and almost like the goodness in people. What would you suggest, Nick? I'm going to suggest a show that a lot of people probably expected one of us to suggest at this point. I'm going to suggest Code Geass. This is a show that gets compared to Death Note a lot because it has a very similar protagonist. It has a protagonist that wants to change the world and goes on a bloody quest to do it. 
the difference between Light and the protagonist of Code Geass is he's genuine. He genuinely desires change and is just doing something that is morally wrong, but he feels the best way to get it done because he doesn't trust any other way. He thinks that the only way is through the path of blood. It's basically take an action show, all the exciting action of an action show and all the all of the metaphors and the, and the heavy thinking and the strategy of Death Note, smash them together and that's Code Geass. Yeah, I tried to get into Code Geass. I couldn't really get into it too much. It also has the best ending in anime history, bar none. Yeah, I mean, people will argue about that point. For... No, that's the general consensus, man. I'm not kidding. I know, but you're a little biased on Code Geass because it, it is your favorite anime. It, it's one of them. And... It's definitely one. You talk about Kogias all the time. I mean, <laughs> I, you have a little loose figure, though. I do have a little loose figure. I am not ashamed to have a little loose figure. Bias aside, it is a popular anime. I do know a lot of people like it. We're definitely talking about it on this show at some point. Yeah, at some point, we'll get to it. We'll find shows just like it. We're going to be switching up little things with the podcast, seeing what you guys like, seeing what you don't like. It might be a little rocky here and there, but bear with us. We're trying to find a style that will best benefit the anime community as we can. Anything else you really want to say, Nick? Uh, There was one thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, Just back to Death Note, one thing I forgot to bring up. Uh, I wanted to talk about the character of Matsuda real quick. Uh, You guys remember who Matsuda is, right? He's the guy that was shooting light at the end of the last episode. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. So, Matsuda, I think, people kind of relegate him as just a comic relief character, but I feel like he symbolically represents the audience in a lot of ways, and they're changing opinions about light. Yeah, that's the last thing I want to bring up, because he's the only one in the investigation team that ever has doubts and brings up that while Kira's actions are wrong, they do do bring about results. Because ever since Kira, it's undeniable his results that he did lower crime rates and save a lot of people. Even with all the bad he did, he did get results. And I think Matsuda represents the big question of Death Note, is what is right and what is wrong? Is the results worth all the sacrifice? And who gets to make that decision? And in the end, he decides that it's not light that gets to decide that. Just like if you understand the show, you shouldn't be on light side of that point. So I feel like he almost represents the audience in this last point I wanted to bring up about Death Note, uh, and that's it for us at 321Discuss, and we will see you guys next week. Peace. Hey guys, we're recording this real quick after the episode. Uh, we're going to be trying a new thing on our social media, uh, specifically on our Instagram. We're going to give you guys a topic every week so you can be part of the discussion too. And every week we're going to find the best points or the best comment on that topic. And we're going to talk about it in our next episode. So, Andrew, take it away. What's our topic this week? This week's topic is, do the ends justify the means? That's basically been the whole theme about Death Note. So, we will read the best comment, and we'll shout out the person who makes it. All right, see you guys next week.